All right, give God a praise again. He's worthy. Woo, isn't God good? Are you ready? Would you say with me, say, Pastor, you need a Harley. Say it, you need a Harley to go with that jacket. Would you guys just prophesy that over me? Come on. Come on now. I told, I told our, our, someone in, in, in color, they said, no, you don't. I go, yes, I do. I bind you. No, I didn't say, I didn't, I, I did not bind them. I wanted to. <laughs> well, this morning we are honored to have with us John and Miliana Harkey. They have been, uh, powerful instruments of God, not only in our church as they've come year after year, but also in other parts of the United States. And then, John, I think you've already been to the Philippines before, right? I think I saw a video of God working powerfully through your ministry there, and you're going to head back there pretty soon again. And so God is using him mightily. And every time that this prophetic man of God comes, I mean, God speaks to us a now word. And I believe that God has a word for us today. And uh, yesterday they were in Orlando, Florida, and they ran half a marathon at Walt Disney World. My wife and I got to go out there, and uh, I hung out at, uh, you know, the downtown Disney. That's where I hung out, because there's some good eats there, too. But I'm glad you guys ran it. I, I did utter a prayer, God be with them. Uh, I do not wish to be with them, but I know you are, so be with them as they run. But we're honored to have you. And, and John's going to come first, and then he'll introduce his lovely wife. And uh, so would you welcome with me the prophet of God, uh, John Harkey. Can we give God a shout of praise in the house right now? Well, we're, we, I, I, you know, I, I, I was my, not, you know, I like Dinuba better than Orlando. I have to say that. Um, it was, it was fun. I, I, I'm, I'm just telling you because, um, um, I, um, when I was running, uh, the race, my daughter talked me into doing it. Uh, and uh, I said, I got I've, I've got you know, no, you can do it, dad. You can make a flight. Oh, and she arranged it and everything. But anyway, um, I remember running and then periodically, you know, the people would stand, stop and take pictures with characters. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, they'd stop, they, they'd stop, go stand in line and take pictures with characters. And, uh, but you know, I, I'm, I'm so competitive, no pictures, <laughs> you know, uh, and my wife goes, where's your pictures? I said, I was running. And, and so, and then, so I got back, I, I, I got back before eight to my hotel and took a shower, did laundry and, and, and then, then 10 o'clock hit and we had to be at the airport at 1130 and my wife is not there yet. <laughs> And well, then I thought, well, if she doesn't get here by uh, by a certain time. I'll just go to the airport and hope she makes it. But I, I I went online to find out if she was finished. Found out she was finished, and praise God, she made it here. Because, like I told the people in Cutler, you know, she was just she was close, just a couple hours behind, you know. <laughs> but praise Jesus, give Sister Meliana a hand as she comes. Praise God, hallelujah, what I did, I changed our flights, <laughs> so that's what I did, I changed our flights for 2 o'clock, it was supposed to be 11, but I look at the time, how long it's going to take us, it take almost 2 miles to get to the starting line, so all together was over 15 miles, you know, and then it was take, I mean, it was take so long, and then finished the half marathon, and we got uh, got to the airport, got to the hotel, took a shower real quick, and we got to the hotel, so I uh, got back here, and I'm so grateful that God allowed us to do that, amen, let's all lift up our hand again, and thank him for abiding in our midst this morning, Holy Spirit, Again, we want to take a moment to give you glory and honor, to worship you, to shift our attention to you. Because that's why we're here this morning, to worship you, to adore you. 
give you glory and honor and get ready to hear from you. But before that, we want to give you ahead of time all the glory and honor to glorify your name. Holy Spirit, you are so beautiful in this place. You come and have your way. You come and speak to us. Again, we came here with an open open ear ready to hear from you and to receive from you Lord we love you we bless you and we worship you God thank you Jesus thank you Father let's give Jesus a big hand clap thank you Lord thank you Jesus praise you God you know, I want to share real quickly again about the half marathon because I learned something. Uh, we've, we've done, I think that was, we did another half marathon before, but yesterday that was the best, uh, uh, or how, how, the, how Disney put together everything. It was just so beautiful. And one thing I learned when we were, um, running down the, the path that there were so many workers o- over there. You know, if, you, if you've been to Disneyland, Disney World, there's so many people. So there were about 40,000 racers yesterday morning. Forget about how many people there were in Disney World, you know. So, but what I learned, there were so many workers out there making sure the path, you know, making sure that nobody is on our path. And also, all along our way, there were workers over there. Uh, there were so many water stops, you know. You stop over there probably every mile or half a mile. I think every mile that you have, there are people there waiting over there to hand you a cup of cake or whatever do you need, you know, and again, there were so many people, uh, so many workers, hand to you an uh, energy bean, it's just some little bean, they hand it to you, and whatever do you need, they're right there to hand you what you need, and I learned something, again, 2020, there are many of us, God have a destiny for you and I to fulfill, and you have to make sure that you are in a path that God have called you to be. I, I tell you, there were one time I was veered to the right to get off on the right. And there was a gentleman who started barricading. Hey, man, 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 no, you're supposed to be here. You are supposed to be here. And I felt like as long as you stay in a path where God have designated for you, you'll be protected. He will, he will make sure. Amen. He'll make sure that you will not veer off to the left or to the right as long as you are in a path where God called you to be. Amen. And also I shared the first service that if you are in a path that God have called you to do, he will see to it that he will provide everything that you need. Amen. He'll provide all the finances, all the, the word, all the wisdom. If as long as you are staying where God have called you to do to be because he will make sure that you will reach your destination amen a few months ago john and i we were ministering in um uh st louis and we had a rental car it was a white suv we were in a hotel getting out from get ready getting out from our hotel room to get in a car to get to drive to the church that evening. And I remember we, uh, John used the key to open, you know, to open the, the car, uh, pressing the key. And we were talking on our way to get to the, to get to our vehicle. So we walk in and we got in a car, it was a white SUV. And while we're in a car, John get into the driver's seat and I got into the passenger seat. And then we both shut the door, put on our seat belt and we're getting ready to go. And we're sitting there just waiting, waiting. And all of a sudden, uh, John said, Meliana, get out, get out from this car. And I said, why? He said, we are in the wrong vehicle. And so we laughing and both jump out. Can you show the picture of me sitting in a vehicle? Look at that. White SUV. I was sitting there, both, we were both sitting there. Come to find out, it was not our vehicle. What happened? We both sit in, put on seatbelt. He tried to turn the vehicle on, nothing. Wrong key. So we both jump out, got out, get to fire. We're finding out where's our vehicle. And guess where our vehicle was? Our vehicle was parked right next. Two same white SUV parked next to each other. 
what happened because we were talking. We thought it was open our right our right car. We both got in, put a seat belt, everything, and we got out. It was not the right vehicle. Now I learned something. Why we got in? Because it looked familiar. It looked like ours. It looked like our car. I feel like God is saying to some of us here this morning, we have to lock the door. We have to shut the door to 2019. Amen? Whatever happened in 2019, what happened in the past, you supposed to lock the door. Amen? And turn away from it. Because God has something better for you to do in 2020. So lock the door to your past. Amen? Because I tell you this, if you don't lock the door to your past, the devil will get in. Why? It looked familiar. I'm just sharing the example. I'm so grateful that we are not a thief because there are stuff in a car, in a vehicle we could have taken. But again, like why we got in, because it looked familiar. If you don't stop all the lifestyle, because the enemy, oh, she's still doing it again. Oh, he went back to the same lifestyle. He's doing the same thing. Listen, the enemy will get into your life and destroy you if you don't shut the door to what happened in the past. Listen, shut the door to all your disappointment in 2020. Shut the door to all the addiction. Whatever pulled you back, shut the door and lock it. Amen? Don't allow the enemy to get in. Amen? Also, I learned something. Listen, we have to get the right key to 2020. Amen? Because if you don't get the right key to 2020, you'll be frustrated. You may think, oh, it's an open door. I'll walk through it because it's an open door. Hey, the enemy can open the wrong door. But if you don't have the right key, you'll be frustrated and not going nowhere. You may think it's open, but if you're not, that's why I want to encourage you. It's so important that every time the church store is open, we need to be here to get the right word, to get the right key. Amen? For what God have called you to do. Because if you don't get the right key, you are not going to go nowhere. Just like what John and I have done, we went into that SUV. Why? Because it was open. I believe the last, the person that ran it or owned it forgot to lock the door. We got into it, sat down in it, thinking it was our vehicle, thinking because it was open. But guess what? We couldn't go nowhere. Why? Because we don't have the right key. It doesn't matter if it's open, but if you don't have the key, you are not going nowhere. That's why I want to encourage you. It's so important. Make sure you spend quality time with God in prayer and in his word. Every time the church store is open, we need to be here to get the right word from God. He's the only one. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Praise God. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just want to remind you guys real quickly, we have some resources back in the foyer. We have a couple books over there. We have, I think I forgot, we have only two books, A Song of the Prophet. Great book. I remember we were in Hawaii few months ago, uh, this lady walked up to me and she said, hey, I bought your book. I didn't bring it with me. It's in the back. I bought this book three three years ago. I have been married to a woman living a lesbian lifestyle for 21 years. And I bought your book and this book have helped me to really know that God loves me. I tell you what, when you know how much God loves you, it empower you to walk away from sin. Amen. It will strengthen you to know who you are. I have only two books uh, in the back. So if you want to stop by, somebody will be there. 
And also I have this one, how to develop a prophetic culture, how important it is for you and I to prophesy. What is prophecy? It means speak life. Amen? And if you don't want to prophesy, if you don't know what to say, just quote God's word. God's word, it is powerful. Amen? Divine perspective. When you're going through a crisis or problem, we need the mind of Christ. Many times we use our own own human wisdom and we it causes us more problem but when we connect it with God he'll give us wisdom he'll give us divine uh, uh, divine wisdom what to do what not to do in every given situation school of the prophets learning to hear the voice of God because there are so many voices we can't tell the voices uh, we can tell the voice of God from our own voice voices of our friends voices of the enemy but the voice we need to listen to is the voice of God. Amen. Living a victorious life. When we come to Christ, we should be experiencing victory. We should be going from glory to glory, not from glory to drama. Amen. When we walk with Christ, we should be going from glory to glory. Who want this one? Lift your hand real quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, ma'am. You raise your hand. You can come and get it. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Praise God. Well, you move slow. This one you came first. Okay. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Thank you. Thank you, sweetie. How many are ready for God's word? How many are ready for God's word? Is this a charismatic word of faith Pentecostal church? So that means that I have permission to preach this morning, right? Um, Meliana um, talked about having the right key. I, I do want to give you a key this morning. I want to give you a key that will change your life. Simply because I want, I want, how many want the the atmosphere that you're in right now to change. And I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But I want you to turn with me to Matthew 11. I'm going to read one verse out of Matthew 11, and then we're going to go to John 3, and then probably to the book of Acts. But I want you to turn to Matthew 11. You could probably spend a year talking about this chapter because there is so much in this chapter. But one of the things that, that uh, hit me in this chapter was this. John's in prison. He's in prison because it's not his choice. He's not in prison because he was baptizing hundreds of thousands of people. Religious leaders, rich and poor alike, were coming to the knowledge of God. He's in prison, and I'll tell you why he's in prison. Because people don't mind you telling them how they can get saved, how they can get blessed, how they can experience a better life. But when you talk about their personal issues, when you talk about the very things that are keeping them out of the kingdom of heaven, when you begin to talk about their lifestyle, their relationships, uh, how they're living and what they're doing... People get a little angry. They get a little angry at the prophet. For instance, Herod had no problem when John was out in the Jordan baptizing folks. But when, when, when John got into Herod's kitchen and began to talk about his marriage to Herodias. Can I step down? When, when he began to do that, then what happened, ladies and gentlemen, Herod begins to have a conflict with John. Can I say this to you right now? We live in a day and age when the pulpit should never be a place of controversy. It should be a place of confrontation. And what we have to understand is we should never, never make the pulpit a place of compromise. It should be a place of confrontation. Come on. Because I can tell you this right right now, just as, as in the days of John the Baptist, so is the days in these days. And we have to understand that we can't be afraid because we, we are holy people.
Because who we are in God. Because he confronted Herod's morality. He confronted how he lived and expressed his sexuality. And if we, if we don't, if we hold back, then we, then people miss what God can do in their life. Can I hear an amen? John's in prison. Now, ladies and gentlemen, John saw more of Jesus than anybody. John was a forerunner, the prophet who, who pointed the way to the Messiah. John saw the dove land on Jesus' shoulder. John recognized he's the Savior. See, John's in prison. Everybody say prison. When I talk about prison this morning, I'm not going to talk about a literally behind bars because people don't have to be in jail to be in prison. They can be in prison in their mind. They can be prison in their assumptions. They can be imprisoned in their thinking. And I believe that God has called this church in 2020 to deliver as many people as you can out of prison. Because John's in prison, because sometimes when we are in prison, the very truths, the very understanding, the very things that we once said, prison changes the way we think. And what we do is then we begin to question the validity of God, who God is. Because God, if you love me, if you care about me, if you want me, if you've called me, then why do I find myself in this prison? Lord, I'm a tither. Why am I in a financial crisis? I'm a, I've given everything to you. Why isn't my family serving you when I'm doing everything? These kinds of questions, church, let me just tell you, sometimes we ask the wrong question. I want to give you a key this morning. I want to give you a key, ladies and gentlemen, because here is arguably the greatest, Jesus called him the greatest prophet that was ever, that was ever born of woman. He called him the greatest. Now we need to learn from the greatest. And, and what I've learned from John, there's so much in his life, but I learned something from this text because this is what, here he is in prison. And when he's in prison, he calls two of his disciples to come. And when, and when he calls the two disciples to come, he asks his two disciples, uh, go to that man, Jesus, and ask him if he's the one or is there another. But see, sometimes when you're in a prison, See, this is what I don't understand. Why didn't the two disciples tell him, I thought you told us he's the one. <laughs> but sometimes you can be in prison and people agree with your prison. I wish there was a real disciple that said, John, get out of, you weren't talking like that when you were baptizing hundreds of thousands of people in the Jordan. And now that you're in prison, you're changing your language? But they don't. But here's the key. Because there's a reaction that God is looking for. And I want to make a contrast. Because in the book of Acts, Paul and Silas find themselves in prison. Doing the same thing. Preaching the word. You know, and this is amazing. You know, when, when I come to church, people have a greeter out in front. They carry my bag. I go to the green room. I get to eat snacks and I get to, I, I get water. They then take up an offering at the end of the service. But when Paul and Silas show, showed up, there's no greeter at the door. There's no offering, no water. Nobody's carrying their bag. They get thrown in jail. And you know what? The crazy thing right now, people are complaining about ministry. I don't understand that. They're complaining, oh, it's so rough. It's so tough. Haven't you read the book of Acts, bro? Haven't you read about these guys that would go to a town? They didn't put the red carpet out. They didn't serve them. They, they, they didn't ask for nothing. And I appreciate everything that people do for me. I appreciate that. We need to honor those that teach and preach amongst us. But ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we got to get back to why we do what we do. 
Sometimes we got to understand. I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Sometimes I didn't come here. I, whether you throw a, a red carpet out or throw me in prison, I'm still preaching. I'm still going to prophesy. I'm still going to decree the Lord. Oh. They basically cast the devil out of a woman. That's why they were thrown into prison. Because, you know, sometimes in our culture, people want the devil. <laughs> the devil, the devil is what brought me money. And now I've lost my money. There's throwing in jail. So Paul in jail, or Paul inside, excuse me, are in jail. Now turn with me to Acts 16, because we're going to break this down this morning right now. Acts 16. I want you to look all the way over to Acts 16, verse 25, because I have a prophetic word for this church right now. I want you to listen to this. It says, okay, here we go. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. You got to see this. So notice this. Paul and Silas are not allowing the prison to determine the atmosphere. They are not allowing the crisis that they are in to dictate their reaction. What they are doing is they are giving us a key to a proper reaction to a crisis. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They're not mourning. They're not complaining. They're, they're, they're not talking about each other. They're not even complaining about their persecutors. What they are doing is they are praying and singing hymns to God. Oh, come on. Church, church, you got to hear me. God spoke to me this morning, and this is what he said. He says, I want to release a song in the church. I want to release the song of Paul and Silas in the church. Oh, come on. Because there's a song inside of you. There's a song in every one of you. See, they were beaten. There's a song of your pain. But let me just tell you, you are not just singing for you. You're singing for the guy in the cell next to you. You're singing for the sister in the cell next to you. You're singing for a culture that is completely in prison. Come on. That's when they want the worship leader gets up and says, sing. We are not just singing to singing. We are not just going through the rigamen role of worship or the routine of worship. Because true worship is not a routine. True worship, there's a song. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. California needs a song. California needs a song. I travel all over the United States. And, and, and people go, oh, look at California. It's so liberal. It's so this. Uh, you know what? I li- you live in the state of California. California needs a song. Because there's a culture imprisoned. See, I wish John the Baptist would have started singing. Instead of questioning the validity of God. I wish John the Baptist would have, instead of calling his disciples, is he the one or someone else? I wish they would have, he would have done with Paul and Silas. Maybe the results would have been different, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know that. But there's something I do know. I've got to sing right now. They sang hymns. Now the Bible doesn't record what they sang. But see, anybody can sing in an atmosphere like this. It, it, it's, it's, it's not just singing your crisis. It's singing to the fact that you know that there's people who have done things that were bad to you, yet you still sing. I sing when I'm persecuted. I sing when I'm misunderstood. I sing when I'm disappointed. I sing when I'm depressed. I sing when it didn't work out. I don't just sing because it's my favorite song. I sing because I owe him everything. I owe him my life. I owe him everything. That's why I sing. Church, I can tell you this. We live in a, we live in a society where people take more psychiatric drugs than any place in the world, right here in the United States. Why? Because we lost our song. And what God wants to do in this church, as God has called this church, to give this city back their song. Because when people have a song, something happens. They go through the same stuff we do. 
It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. But here's the amazing thing. The amazing thing is because there will be a day. I can tell you there will still be a, a day. I don't know what day, but in 2020, your worship leader will sing the song of Paul and Silas. Can you imagine if the entire church does? What would happen? Now, notice what it says here. It says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing. Not complaining and whining. Hymns to God. And this is the amazing thing. And the prisoners were listening to them. You know, Pastor Angel, I've read that before. But it never dawned on me that when Paul and Silas started singing, the prisoners stopped doing what they were doing. Because I know this. I was in prison. When you're in prison, you don't deserve to be there. Every prisoner doesn't deserve to be there. They've been set up. You know what I'm talking about. I, I wouldn't be like this. You know what? There's a reason because my mama, because my daddy, because the environment that I grew in. That's why I'm in this prison, Brother Harkey. But we see in the text that the prisoners for once in their life are paying attention. They're actually listening to Paul and Silas. What does that tell me? That tells me that the atmosphere that they created caused everybody that was in prison to listen. Oh, church, hear what I'm going to say. Hear what I'm going to tell you right now. I, I, I believe there are people that will come in here at being in a prison. But all of a sudden, something is said, something is sung, something is prayed. And all of a sudden, they stop. They stop that crazy thinking. They stop seeing things and they start listening for the first time in their life. Oh, man. What are they listening? You know what I believe they're listening to? I can be free. I believe they're saying, I can have a better life. I don't have to stay in the cell all my life. This is not my ultimate destination. God has something better for me than being depressed, being broke, and being disappointed. I've got something better. Oh. They listen to them. Now, church, we can't even get the church folks to listen to us. But why did they listen? I honestly believe because they had never heard a song in prison. Most people talk about their prison. They don't talk about God. Most people talk about their struggle, their wounds. Nothing, those aren't real. And not, I'm saying that you shouldn't talk about it. But what I am saying is Paul and Silas is not singing about their wounds. They're singing about their healer. I love my, one of my favorite verses because this is a word of faith, church. This is my favorite verses is if you say to the mountain. Everybody say say. Not think about it. <laughs> not wish it wouldn't go away. If you say to the mountain. That means, now, you're not going to go tell the Sierras up here to go cast in the sea. I'm talking about the mountain of doubt. I'm talking about the mountain of lust. I'm talking about the mountain of anger. I'm talking about the mountain of lack. If you say to the mountain, be thou cast in the sea, and do not doubt in your heart that what you say is shall come to pass. Come on. See, that's all prophecy is. It's walking up to the mountain and saying, hey, you're not having me, mountain. I'm having you. I'm opening my mouth. That's why praying is not silence. That's why worship. I didn't see bo those boys silent in, in their prison. They open their mouth. Everybody say, open your mouth. I'm going to get back to this, but I want you to see this. A couple days ago, I was sitting in my car and uh, watching the sunrise. And... Um, I, uh, as I was sitting there, I opened the word to Esther 4.14, Meliana. And I've read that verse over and over again, usually the second half. But this is what it said. Mordecai, which is a type of prophet, 
was prophesying to Esther and said, if you remain silent. And I thought about this, Pastor Angel, that if I don't open my mouth, the whole nation doesn't get delivered. If I don't open my mouth, those that are in the prison cell next to me are still going to be in prison. Because it's not just about, it's not about me really. It's not about me at the end of the day. If I don't open my mouth. See, the church is never to be silent. That's why, uh, guys, hey, we ain't going to be silent when our football team wins. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Everybody say silence. If you remain silent. I want you to see this. That's what Mordecai said. If you remain silent. What if Paul and Silas were silent in that prison? What if Paulus and Silas says, I don't feel like singing. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like giving. I don't feel like serving. I don't feel like it. Oh, you know what? Then guess what? The results of what happened in that prison that night would have not been accomplished. If you remain silent. Now, think about this. Think about this. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Because in Genesis 2, Adam is speaking. In Genesis 3, Adam is silent. So when Adam's silent, who shows up? The serpent shows up. And in that narrative... When the serpent shows up, we don't hear Adam speaking. Oh. We hear Adam be silent. Because sometimes people say, oh, you need to be silent in church. Uh-uh, not in this church. We're not silent in this church. That's how we praise God. That's why we say amen to the preacher. We're not silent. We're not silent to social injustice. We're not silent to evil. We're not silent to immorality. We open our mouth because we don't want the serpent to do the talking. We want God to do the talking. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. I feel like preaching right now. Because some of, some of us in this room, the serpent's been talking too long. The serpent's been talking to your kids, talking to your grandkids, talk, prophesying over your life. It's now time to stand up and open your mouth and sorry. This is my garden. This is my city. Danuba belongs to me, but my family belongs to me. You, you're out of here. Silent. Now we think about his silence. How has Adam's silence affected humanity? Because he didn't open his mouth and say, be thou cast in the sea. Now the serpent does the talking and now Eve has to, Eve has to try to fight the serpent by herself. Because Adam's busy eating. He didn't get that. (laughs) Adam is silent. What if Paul and Silas were silent in prison? Now, church, every one of us struggles. Yeah. Every one of us have times when the things we feel like we're in a prison. But I don't want to be silent in my prison. What if Esther was silent when she, as a queen, because you're because Esther's that my Esther's are here right now. You're not here because you're pretty. She's she's beautiful. You're not a queen just because, just because you you were chosen. You are here to open your mouth. Because if you don't open your mouth, your entire nation is not going to get delivered. Because he said, if you remain silent, deliverance will come from another source. In other words, I love your pastor and his wife. I love this church. I want you, I want to be a source of deliverance. I want to be a source of salvation. I want to be a source of healing. I want to be a source of uh, uh, revelation. I want to be a source of prosperity. That's what I want to be. So that's why I'm not going to be silent, ladies and gentlemen. Now, think about this. Paul and Silas, you can put the scripture back up in, in, in Acts 16, 25. So Paul and Silas singing caused prisoners to listen. 
So then, what happens when they open their mouth? It changes the atmosphere. Now, it then says in verse 26, suddenly. How many want a suddenly? I can tell you something. I had a suddenly yesterday. At mile 13. Suddenly, I was finished. And I was happy. But see, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, immediately, God looks down and said, okay, they didn't want me out in the world. What I'll do is I'll move right here in this prison. How many one would like to see God move in your prison? God move in your pain. God move in your crisis. God move in what seemingly looked like you're chained up, messed up, blown up. And all of a sudden, suddenly, God looks down. That's where I'm going to touch. You know what it tells me? I'll touch you when you react properly. And when you react properly, I'll touch you in that place. And I'll give you a suddenly, says the Lord, where nobody said you could get delivered because your psychiatrist couldn't deliver you. So I'll deliver you. I'll give you a suddenly. A suddenly. Now think about this. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. Ever say earthquake. Well, in other words, in other words, I'm not sending an earthquake out there because you want me to qu- touch them out there. I've got to send you in here. I've got to, I've got to shake you in the middle of your prison so that the foundations, everybody say foundations because there are certain foundations that need to be shaken. You 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 wonder why we shake in this church? I'll tell you why. Because the things that are not built on the solid rock are getting shaken out of our life. Because I don't want to build my life on something other than Christ. So those things need to be shaken. Can I hear an amen? But here's in and it says and it says and immediately everybody say immediately. All the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. Now say, everybody say all. Everybody say everyone. Not everybody was singing. They all were not singing. Only two were. Which tells me, I'm not really free if the person next to me is still in prison. Because God not only wants to deliver me, He wants to deliver the person that can't sing. He wants to deliver to the person next to me that doesn't know how to sing. That is so broken, so destitute, they don't even have a paradigm of what it's like to be not chained. Because they've been chained all their life. They have no, they've been chained since they were a child. They, they've, they've gone through life, but they don't even have a paradigm for being loosed. Because church, here's the thing, we are not truly have done if we've got, if there's somebody in this city that's chained up. There's somebody in the church that still needs to be loosed. We haven't finished our job. That's why I can't be selfish with my praise. I can't be selfish with my prayer life. Because you're not truly free unless I see those chains come off of your life. Because the God that I serve isn't just about to deliver me and leave my other brother in chain. Oh, hum. Oh, I got my Cadillac, I got my car, I got my new house. What about the person who lost their house? What about the person that got foreclosed on? What about the family that went through a divorce? What about them? Church, sometimes we can get up and test, uh, testify about what God did. Praise God. But there's somebody that needs God to do something in their life. And what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, I'm going to prophesy, and I'm going to worship until you get loose. Because church, this is why we serve. This is why we do what we do. This is why we wake up in the early in the morning and go after God. This is why you see them crazy people up here in the front worshiping God. They're not just doing it because we do it. They're doing it because there's so many people that need to be loosed. There's so many doors. How many need doors to be open for you? How many need doors open for your life?
I need doors to open for me. I need favor. Because ladies and gentlemen, Paul and Silas were not loose until the people around them were loosed. Why does my wife and I travel over the world? Because I want to loose people. What is ministry? Why should you go through the class about boundaries? That was, that was because so you can loose somebody. Why do you want to get right with God so you can loose somebody? Because the world doesn't know how to loose somebody. They'll drug you. They'll imprison you, but they can't fully loose you. The only buddy they can loose you is Jesus. And the more I know Jesus, and the more I get next to Jesus, He's going to give me an anointing to loose somebody. And, I, and let me just tell you, if you're in the ministry because you like the title, no. No, because we're not titled, we're loosers. I'm loosing you. I'm loosing you. Before I'm a prophet, I'm a looser. I'm, I'm going to loose you with the Word. You know why I want to use my gift? I want to loose somebody. Not so people go, oh, hey, that was an amazing word, Brother Hartley. No, I want to loose you. We gotta think about a thing in this terms. In 2020, who am I gonna lose? I'm gonna lose my neighbor. I'm gonna lose my family. I'm going to do that. Why? Because I got a responsibility. What looses them? When I sing out of my pain. When I sing out of my trouble. When I sing from the depth of my soul, saying, your love endures forever. When nothing looks lovely around me, I'm still singing. He ch- they change the atmosphere, ladies and gentlemen. But you know what is amazing about these two verses? Not only the fact that Paul and Silas sang, not only the fact that God sends an earthquake and the foundations are shaken. But you know what? See, when you're in prison, you want to get out. Those boys never left. Which tells me, I would rather be here in the presence of God. Because for the first time in my life, I wanted these chains to fall off in the prison doors. But I have never felt anything like this. I don't want to leave this place. Because I'm more free than I've ever been in my life. Because God has sent someone. Someone to loose me. Someone to set me loose. Someone to set me free. Here, how many want an anointing to lose somebody? How many want an anointing to lose somebody? Don't bury your gift. Don't bury your gift in your prison. Don't bury your destiny because you're offended. Because they could have got offended at the persecutors. Don't get offended. I mean, people get, they didn't get offended at persecutors. I don't know why people get offended at church folks. In other words, you know what? Cause see, the, the, they, that means that Paul and Silas were unoffendable. So the chains of offense couldn't hold them down. Come on. Because if the chains of offense are holding an individual down, that means their worship is tainted with self. That means they're probably worshiping themselves. They're not worshiping God. That means the chains of, uh, of hurt, the chain, the chains of anger weren't holding them back. No wonder the, I want what Paul, I want what Paul and Silas got. Because what they got is real. They, 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 they're, they're really saved. They got real church. I'm so thankful that I came to Dinuba this morning that we're going to have real church. How many want real church? I want real church where people get saved, people get healed. I don't want to go through, uh, I, I don't want to go to a boring church. 
I want to go somewhere where they're shouting. I, earthquakes on Sunday morning. Come on. I'm shaking the foundations of my wrong theology and my wrong thinking in my head. Shaking all the poison out of my head. Shaking all the uh, stuff out of my head. The evil out of my head. Giving me a pure mind and a pure heart. That's what I'm looking for. Come on and give God a shout of praise right now. How many are ready to hear the song? How many are ready to sing the song of Paul and Silas? How many believe God wants to release that song in your family and in your life? That song alone. The entire prison got saved. They're no longer criminals. And it's interesting. The warden got saved too. Because you know what the miracle was a warden? Nobody left. Because if any prisoner left, he lost his life. He wanted to kill himself. We ain't leaving. Can't you see? Because I'm sure that every one of those men were weeping in the presence of God. They were enamored with the presence and glory of God because it was the glory of God that melted the chains. When was the last time we cried out, God, give me the glory to melt the chains of this culture. Give me the glory. Put the glory on my speech. The glory on my lips. That when I open my mouth, chains fall off of people. Lord God, do something in me. Come on. Because it's easy for me to look. Oh, they, they look at that guy. He's demonized. She's demonized. This person's wrong. This person is wrong. Perhaps I haven't sang over them enough. Perhaps I haven't prophesied over them enough. I, 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 perhaps I never prayed. Come on. How do you not know? See, there's one thing we have to know. As I believe something, prayer moves the hand of God. Uh, pr- prayer in prayer. moves the hand of God. How many want God to move in your life? How many want God to move in the middle of your prison? And this is something we have to do. We have to pray and praise like never before. How many know there's a lot of folks in Dinuba in prison? In prison. They, they're walking around the street. They're in prison. They may look pretty and they drive a BMW, but they're in prison. Come on. And they need somebody that as a prayer and somebody that has praise. Now I say this to say this. John could have reacted that way. The results could have been different. But Jesus when asked the question when the disciples came to John and asked him Are you the one or is there someone else? Jesus didn't abuse John. Jesus says, go tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the gospel is preached to the poor. See, because the problem with prison, prison doesn't see a move of God. And when someone's in a prison, they can't not see a move of God. They cannot see the blessing of God. See, I'm so thankful, and my wife doesn't matter. My wife, my wife is 60 years old, and she runs a half of marathon. Most people, most people couldn't run one mile. When I saw that, and I saw the picture of her with the medal on it, I said, oh God, what a blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? What a blessing. See, but when you're in, but when you're in prison, you can't see the blessing. You can't see the blessing. 
What a blessing that, that, that then she makes her, takes a shower. The, the beer miracle wasn't the fact that, the miracle wasn't the fact that she finished. The miracle yesterday was she came to the hotel, got herself ready, took a shower, packed, and we made it to the airport. That was the miracle yesterday. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Because you know, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to, I'm going to Danuba and cut her tomorrow and Merced tomorrow night. And I got to be here because there's going to be people that get loosed. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But here, the, the, the reality is this. But when you're in a prison, when you're in a prison, you don't see the lame walk. You don't see the deaf hear. You don't see the gospel preached to the poor. All you see is you. Go tell him. You know what's amazing? When he said that, Jesus turns to the crowd. I love the way, aren't you thankful that Jesus treats us better than what we deserve? Aren't you thankful that Jesus doesn't treat us like a prisoner? He treats us like a prophet. He treats us like a princess or a prince. You know what I love about Jesus? That when John, who, who saw so much, who did not react the way he should, he turns to a crowd. He said, there was no one born of woman as great as John, for he is the greatest. You know why? Because when someone tells me I'm great and I'm in prison, something happens to me. Because so much of how we sees ourselves is based on our behavior. Not our internal inheritance. Honestly believe that maybe people don't see you great. But when Jesus says you're the greatest. People can leave. People can go. People can give. People not give. When Jesus tells you you're the greatest. Can I tell you right now, that gives me back my identity. Because sometimes people are in prison because they've lost their identity. And Jesus has handed John back his identity. And not only did he do it, do it to him, to him, he did it publicly. In other words, he didn't post on Facebook or social media, John, the greatest prophecy, the greatest prophet that ever lived now denies Jesus. Didn't post that. Called him the greatest. What do you think that did to John? That I believe that that, that that brought John back to a place of confidence and understanding of who God was. Because sometimes my theology gets mixed up when I'm in a prison. But the, the Lord said, you're not in a prison forever. You're not going to stay in that prison forever. You're still my favorite. You're still my prophet. You rise up, son, and acknowledge who I am. Can I give God a shout of praise right now? Lift your hands toward heaven all over the room. Lift your hand, heaven, all over the room. I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for your people. Father, we thank you for the anointing in this room right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you for what you're going to do with every person in this room right now. What every single family, every single person, oh God, in the, that calls this house their home. The visitors, oh God. We thank you, Lord, that our prison is not our destination. We thank you that in this room are atmosphere changers. They bring the atmosphere of prayer and praise. They bring the atmosphere of breakthrough in the room. They they begin to break chains wherever they go in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. Give God a shout of praise right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
In the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you right now. Oh, begin to worship God. Begin to worship God all over the room. All over the room. All over the room, saints. All over the room. All over the room. For we worship you. We worship you, God. We worship and adore you. We adore your heart. We adore what you do. I want everyone to stand all over the room. I want everyone to stand all over the room. How many say, preacher, I want the posture of Paul and Silas. I want the posture. I want to worship like that. I want to give my heart like that. Let me see your hand. I want that. I I want to see them loose. I want to see my neighbor loosed. I want to see California loosed. I want to see lives. If that's you. If that's you. If that's you this morning. On the count of three. I would advise you to begin to practice right now at the beginning of the year that I am going to respond in a way that loose others from their bondages, their chains, their darkness, their setbacks, their disappointment, and their depression. I'm going to do my part. If that's you... On the count of three, I want you to run to this altar right now. One, two, three. Come right now. Come right now. Come right now. All over the room. All over the room. Come right now. Close as you can. Close as you can. Close as you can. Come as you can. Come as you can.